Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I spent some time just talking with the Holy Spirit about CeCe's word. Um, and I, if I had to title tonight, um, I would call it uh, Assault on His Truth. Um, you know, when God... When God asked me to, it was it was like you are Joshua, and Moses is dead, and I want you to do this thing. The thing of why it's one life is because He told me that we, as children of God, as an identity as a son or daughter that we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to represent Him well. And I, I felt then, and I feel it even stronger now, that, that God wants a people that know Him well enough to describe and demonstrate to other people what He's like. I feel like there's just a spirit that came in just right now. I don't know what it is, but just close your eyes right now. I just break... The partnership, just tell your soul right now, I'm not going to partner with any condemnation or guilt. I'm not going to partner with any unforgiveness or offense. Right now, I'm just released into freedom. That's just a spirit that's trying to come in right now and rob you from this word because I have an amazing word Holy Spirit gave me today under duress. And so right now, I just release us to receive it. Just in complete freedom. Come on, you can be a happy receiver right now. So, whenever um, Cece was releasing that word, you know that it comes at a. I've talked to y'all before, but it comes at a great cost to her. And you know, it's we have to get to a place where we realize that. We have been passive long enough. Has anybody ever suffered with the passive spirit? And God is actually releasing a power and anointing through what He says He's ready to do. And that's what happened Sunday was that He said what He was ready to do. It's We can't just hear that. Our spirit man is going, yeah, bring it. Didn't it? Wasn't your spirit man going, uh-huh? Didn't it? Didn't it leave here going, mm-hmm? But see, my spirit man so desires to be in the lead, but honestly, think about how much our souls can just take over in a moment. And we don't like it. Nobody likes it. But it's actually learning this thing that is just not a fly-by word. It's actually learning the discipline of the presence. His presence has a discipline to it. And we have the capacity, even if we're brand new Christians, we have the capacity to discipline our hearts with His Spirit. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit wanted me to release this revelation He gave me a few weeks ago. And he, he, before I say it, I have these five, I think it's five, four points that will launch us into it. I made a little PowerPoint for us. The first thing he told me today was don't doubt. Now, this was imperative 
one of the things that I want you to attach it to is don't doubt that what she released Sunday is what God says he wants to do right now. And he wants to do it through you. You know, as I'm an equipper, it doesn't mean that I don't do, you know, the Bible talks about equippers are equipping the saints to do what? The works. See, we can't get hung up on what didn't work out like we thought. That's the religious spirit. That's that's the spirit that Lottie had, Lot's wife. Remember what, what God did? He sent a rescue party to save a man named Lot because of Abraham. And his wife said, I long for Sodom and Gomorrah more than I long for the presence. And she immediately got stuck. Isn't it interesting that she's salt? Because what are we? We're the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, it's nothing but a rock. And that is the story of some of our lives whenever he says, I will rescue you. I will redeem you. I will come and get you. I will pull you out of the thing that was actually torment to you. And I will set you on a new path. But don't look back. And don't doubt that that's what I'm doing. And so it's really important. This is the statement he said to me. Don't allow your seemingly insignificance in the training maturing season to determine your worth. Listen, when you're maturing, you feel insignificant. I'm sorry. Can I be honest with you? I know I'm doing what God called me to do, and I feel insignificant. It's probably never going to go away because it's not the thing. I'm not trying to get it to go away. I just don't bow to it. I look across this room, and it's daunting because I see prophets and apostles and evangelists and teachers and preachers. And I see people that are going to heal nations. And I see people that are going to transform nations. And I'm going to be dead in heaven watching it. And he says, train them. And I'm like, whoa, that's, they're so much bigger than me. They're going to do so much greater stuff than I ever did. I spent so many years just looking for somebody who would believe me. That God wanted to pour out His Spirit. That God had a standard. That God was not going to be compromised. And now there's people who actually sit at my feet and say, give me wisdom that I don't even feel like I have. So that's not going to go away. And if I stick it to my value, I will continue in insignificance everywhere I go looking for someone to validate me. When He already said, you're it. You've got to know you're it. I can't give you enough prophetic words. You've got to know you're it. It's a game called you're it. And they tagged you. The second thing he told me today was words, words, words. He said one sentence can transport you to the throne room and one sentence can usher you into a war. Listen, I, I do everything in my power to live in the throne room. 
I live in the throne room in my mind as much as possible, and it's a lot. I remember when I just didn't even think about God during the day, and I'd be like, whoa, dang, God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It would just be like work. I didn't even know I could work and design and minister is easier, but I didn't know I could do that and have God on my mind. I thought he was just in the sidecar if I needed him. And see, what will transform you is to actually realize that you are creating with the words in your head and the words in your mouth. I know so many people in here that are creating passivity in their mind by projecting on other people how that they feel about you. And I can tell you in my life in 60 years, it's rarely that people are thinking about you because they're thinking about them, thinking about what you're thinking about them. And they think they know what you're thinking. That's what everybody's, that's what humans do. Have you, have you come to the place yet when you walk in the room, you're not thinking about how you feel walking in the room? Whether it be, I'm excited to see people, or man, this is so awkward. I mean, I can't even believe I'm coming here. I mean, it's just, I don't even know who's going to be here. How can I get down the wall and slide into the... Why do we have these stupid small groups? It's the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done in my life. There's just two sides of people, and the other small group people are going, oh my gosh, we get to talk in a small group. It's great. I wish we just had a microphone. That would be great. That, that dialogue that you're having is an exercise of futility. Because whether you believe it or not, God targeted you. You're sitting in this room because he decided you needed a miracle. And he decided that he would give it to you. And you may be heard about it through someone or you may be heard it in a dream. You know, Nate the Great, he had an encounter and he called bro. Why? Why not call some other friend? You got other friends, right? Why not call some other friend? That was the Holy Spirit. That was a tractor being pulled out of his choice. Because why? The presence became known in a new way. So my words have to line up with what his presence is doing in me. Are you perfect? No. Heck no. I'm not. Perfection is is mislabeled in our heads. God's perfection is wholeness. Wholeness of thought. Wholeness of your assignment. Listen, this is the truth. I know it's going to mess some of y'all up. But I lean so heavily on the Holy Spirit that I make choices that are really risky. My mom has told me that my whole life. I make choices that I don't have data for because I know when he's speaking. I know when he's pushing. And you've got to get the Your words have got to line up with that that's how you yield. So you can't be saying stuff like, Oh, I don't know if he's on this or not. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel so nervous. I don't feel so nervous. I don't feel so nervous. I don't know if I should make this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody last night told me that they wanted a new job. I said, well, just get one. Just get one. You know what you need to live on. Get If you want one, get one. He doesn't care. But you can't be going, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to supply what I need. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know either then. He's not going to override that memo. 
because it's what you believe. But see, you're meant to transform wherever you're working. That's the thing you've got to get in your head. If your job is running you, then you're not there with the presence. The, the job is just a vehicle to bring his presence to somewhere that would never have it. The next one he said is to think about your foundation. What foundation are you building on in this season? Because see, here's what you have to understand. That you've got a whole subdivision you're working on. I know you thought you just hoped to have a little corner house on one street. No, it's a whole. Have you ever seen them develop a subdivision? It's just a big old square of dirt. And somebody draws a plat. They look down and they put the size of the streets and where they turn and where they do this. And then they name them. That's what your promised land looks like. It's a big old bunch of dirt. Now, you know, the very first thing that they do when they make a subdivision, they clear the ground. Because you don't know what was there before you. There could have been a bunch of graves there. And we know we ain't going to no grave sites. It's a joke. It's a little joke. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about right now. Don't even listen to that. That was just a little joke for you funny people that you know what I'm talking about. But listen, but listen, you've got to get names ready for what's going to happen on that street. You got to start envisioning the houses and the people that are going to live in the houses in your promised land. Start having a little vision over your life. You know, when I met Aubrey, she was just trying to find a way to not be mad at everybody on stage while she was singing, including Charlie. That's all, that's all our conversations were about every week. She was just frustrated. We were just, that's all we would talk about. And Army was three and running the house and we had to put him in timeout. That's, that's all we did. That's all we did. What are we doing now? We're making a whole year's plan for children to come to free art, to be trained in a, cre I mean, come on. That's a little bit different conversation than I'm just mad at another woman on stage I'm with. Do you hear what I'm saying? She had to clear the ground so she could put in the foundation for the next thing. You can't build all the houses at once. I know some of y'all want to. Build on the foundation you're at right now. Can I, can I be honest with you? I could, I could go around the room right now and t tell each one of you what your next foundation is right now. Because it's known by the Spirit. You just have to ask, how do I know it? Because He just reveals it to me. I could tell bro, I could tell Cheryl, I could go down the line. All of y'all tell you. Why? Because it's by the Spirit. It's setting up in the spiritual library. Just go get it. Ask him, what is, it's just a question. Involve him in the process. The last thing, Cece mentioned it slightly on Sunday, was about justice. Now, I have a lot to say about justice. I've preached on it a lot. But what did I put on there? It's the known attribute. God's justice is different than trying to write injustice. If I'm going to stick justice on trying to write all the injustice, think about it just for a minute. How many feel like they've been, had injustice in their life? I don't know anyone that doesn't raise their hand. 
we, you know, there's always the non-participators, but everyone could say yes to that. If I gave you justice, think about it for a minute. It would fix nothing. Think about it. That's why all these people have started all these groups, right? Because they, we can see injustice. The issue is, I try to fix justice. I try to implement justice with an unjust or unjust heart. A heart that's been done to unjustly. So that means it's what? It's injured. Think about it. An orphan heart that injustice was done to. That's about as far from whole as you can be. And so I'll create a group out of that. And I'll name it something that will remind me every day injustice was done to me. Now see, I can't fix the justice problem that way. Because really, the truth about why there's no justice is because no one knew God's standard. He can't change. So when I get healing for what was done to me, injust, the injustice that was done, I don't know a better way to say that, unjustly, is that the best way? Injustice. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. When I get healing for that, so what do I have to do to get healing? I have to look at it. Now, the greatest thing you could do for yourself is have a sozo. You know, counseling won't fix it. Because you have to introduce the person to the man that can fix it. Just talking about what happened incessantly hour and hour, and we will do that with people, but that can't fix it because there's only one man that can fix it named Jesus. That's the difference between a sozo and counseling. Sozo introduces Jesus into an environment he's never been before. Did you know if you had injustice done to you, he wasn't there? He didn't cause it, in other words. He wasn't the cause. A sozo invites Jesus to come into that place that he never was before in your mind. I know he was there, but you didn't know he was there because all you were focused on was what? The injustice. Everybody raised their hand, said they had been done. So take every situation that you can think of where you've done, been done wrong. I've been done wrong. Get, I went to, guess what? I have never not gone to church for that short little stint when I had an encounter with God and actually experienced his presence. That was the time I wasn't at church right then. And then he said, make that place. Make, how you had this encounter, make that place for everybody to come to. And so that, the times that I experienced injustice was at church. Because Why? people were operating with the religious spirit, right? And the religious spirit creates injustice. Who did Jesus talk to the most? How did he talk to the religious people? Was he like, come here, right? Right? He didn't. He called them names. He exposed them in front of everyone. This is what I wrote, that injustice is the absence of any moral disorder. That's why injustice happens, because the moral order is out of balance. It's not any other reason, not some horrible person. God is perfect justice and perfect mercy. So that means he's just, because he, he can't change. So he's just, but he's also merciful, right? Right? It's two bookends. 
Injustice did damage to our orphan hearts. That injustice has a narrative that can't be solved by other humans. Listen to me tonight. Humans may have brought us injustice, but it was the spirit behind that person that caused the person to operate with the unjust act. Now see, here's, here's the hitch. If I don't forgive what was done to me, that person that did it to me, they could ask for forgiveness and be free. And I the whole time would be holding something against them. If you find yourself angry a lot about people that don't do you right, you're suffering from an injury of injustice. It's not something else. And God, but God can heal it. You've got to be introduced to the guy who's perfect justice. It says that's why we can't bring justice from this orphan injured heart that's had injustice. It's only through this wholeness that we can believe, see, and operate in true justice. Justice isn't repayment. Repayment is recompense from God that he brings only. Listen, let me, let's just use this one example. I broke my arm playing softball when I was 14. This big girl ran into my home plate. I was just a skinny little thing then. I was mad at her for a long time. Even though I got a cast on and I still pitched. I pitched four games with a broken arm. I didn't even know without a cast. My brother was rubbing on it like it was just, you know, a cramp. And a year later, I grew, and she didn't. And I saw her, and I was bigger than her then, taller. And I thought, I've been mad at her for a whole year. See, broke arms are going to happen. It's my carrying of it, right? Because she couldn't have fixed my broke arm. I harbored that in my heart, and I was bigger than her the whole time. Oh, did you get it? I don't know if you got it. All right, you can pass those out now. So God gave me this revelation to go along with Cece's word. And... Remember what she talked about that God is doing something, but what was the main emphasis really? It was that we had to learn to do it his way, to love his way, to be empowered, to see where the enemy really was, not be distracted by him, and actually empowered to love, right? You know, uh, Lynn was telling me about this guy that had started a Satanist church, and he was about to do some ritual thing, and I'm probably going to botch the story a little bit. But bottom line was, Jesus entered into the room, and instead of getting onto him, he gave him a big old hug, and that messed him up. <laughs> right? Right? Because see, any time that we're away from God, don't read this yet. Don't read it yet. Sanguines, focus right here. Listen, any time that we can learn to love better shows that we've matured. 
It's true. I'm just telling you. An orphan is an, does orphan things, loves like an orphan. What, how does an orphan love? They don't. They don't love. They're trying to get something to them. They take. They're consumers. Anybody ever been a consumer? Did you know it? What did you think you were doing? Loving. Consuming isn't loving. How'd that work for you? It didn't last. It's over, isn't it? It ended. That's proof. And so God was telling me a few weeks ago, and I just I just could not get it off my mind today how much it went along with Cece's word, and maybe you can discover it with me. Part of my heart is that I can tell when Cece has something that is not what I would just call the normal. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's so funny right now. Um, and, and it's... And I always know there's going to be a battle with it. You know, I just know that the enemy hates for truth to be revealed. And so there has been this assault on God's truth, but there's been an assault assigned to you. There's a truth about you. Some of you in here, you haven't discovered yet. And when you begin to discover, anybody begin to discover that some of those assaults on truth were actually not truth at all. So I had to reinvent or redefine truth God's way. See, that's really what this life's about, is redefining everything God's way. And so I, wanted, I want you to look at this paper for a minute. Now you can look at it. How's that? Look in the right-hand column. This is all the what we learned as the Beatitudes. Matthew 5. This was Jesus' manifesto. When he stepped onto the planet, his first message was this. Look at the right-hand column. This is what doing it God way, God's way produces. Right? Isn't that interesting? It's kind of like there's two bookends. You see the first one is the kingdom of heaven. The next the last one is the kingdom of heaven too. And then what's the last one? Eternity right there, reward in heaven. This, I believe, is a hidden road of spiritual maturity. So think about it for a minute. When you're poor in spirit, what is it really saying that you are? You're really saying that I finally came to the place where I realized I need spiritual prosperity. I have to have it. Do you remember that day? This is what he's saying. Here's what the kingdom's like. When you come to know me, it's because you realize how poor in spirit you really were. Isn't that the first step before salvation? Oh my gosh. Think about it. Think about how poor in spirit we are. We don't know anything. And he gives us this right there. I put it in the same thing. That's what you're going to get if you acknowledge you're poor in spirit. You're going to be happy and to be admired. Let's admit we're poor in spirit real quick, right? Right? That means every day I'm admitting how much I need him. I can't do it on my own. I just like to do this one thing. I need you. I need you. Help me, help me, help me. 
I say that more than anything else. I said a lot today. Help me, help me, help me. It's not a bad prayer. And then the deeper meaning of that particular poor in spirit is that I'm actually devoid of spiritual arrogance. Isn't the religious spirit funny? It thinks it knows the way, but it never bears fruit. That's why he said you're going to know them by their fruit. You better start judging your fruit. Do you want to judge your fruit? Let me judge it. Can I judge it? Will y'all let me judge it? Start finding some people to judge your fruit. Why? Because fruit's not for you. Fruit's for some... I mean, really, is the apple tree going, come on, let's eat me some apples. Why did he use fruit as the analogy? Because the fruit bearer doesn't eat it. He would have used something else. He'd use a carnivore or something, wouldn't he? No. Right? He's making a point that your fruit's not for you. So if you're stomping around the house and you're trying to be all controlling, that's fruit. Let somebody tell you. That's fruit. Right? Everybody is experiencing you as being what? Controlling. That's fruit. Those who mourn. This doesn't mean that you're really sad about something. This means that I've realized that my sin caused him pain. It separated me from him. That's what sin is. It's the great separator from God. It's not some horrible thing that we're trying to find some punishment for, trying to put you in jail for. Those are just reaping and sowing moments. It's actually in my spirit, man, in my soul, I've come to the realization, oh my gosh, God had a plan and I chose to not follow it. I chose to not care. I chose to be passive and lazy. I chose to be rebellious and get in my own way. I chose something, but as I've realized how poor in spirit I am, I mourn over, oh my gosh, I'll think about, I do it all the time. Years I lost in the religious spirit. Lynn does all the time. Years she lost running from the police. That story is a repeat thing. <laughs> but look at her now. Because why? She came to the realization, I don't want to live this way. And so look right there, you'll be comforted by the comforter. Wow, just think of it. Me actually admitting that I'm a crazy sinner. I get comfort. What a plan. That's an amazing plan. You'll be forgiven and refreshed by God's grace. God's grace is the only thing that can refresh. Why? Because it's the one thing that pours over you power and pours over you reconnection with God when you didn't have to do anything. It's free. It's like they just open up Chick-fil-A and you can just come in and get all the chicken you want. That's grace. They like chicken. Y'all may not like chicken. Lynn doesn't even like Chick-fil-A. Heresy in the house right now. Mm-hmm. We tried that kava place again today, and I'm saying no more. I keep giving them a chance. I don't want that in my mouth. No. No. I can make really good Greek food, so that's probably the problem. The next one, I didn't eat dinner, so you can tell the story. The, the next one is Jesus said, if you're gentle. How's the only way, way you can be gentle? By going through those first two stages. That's the great car wash of Jesus. You can't do nothing without me. And guess what? I'll forgive. 
all comfort. And now you begin to feel, has anyone ever felt that? Just that gentleness begins to happen to him. Like I was a crusty old cod. <laughs> right? I was afraid and I just, I thought everybody should treat me right. Have you ever gone, only clerics do this, I'm sure, go to a restaurant and it, you don't get that treatment like you think? And then you th just, you're thinking, I'm not going to give them a good tip. You're a crusty old cod. That's what that is right there. That's what that is. I'm just saying it's what that is because, right? See, we all think everyone should have us in mind and do to us what we decide is right. I'm not gentle when I'm doing that. Because right there it says, I'm self-controlled and kind-hearted. And guess what I get to inherit? What's going on on the earth? His glory is coming. His glory is being spread around by the way you know it. He has given it to you to make and make changes in it. Think about God for him. He said, I'll give you the earth and y'all just make some changes. How about we make the entire earth look like heaven? Great idea. Pop, that's a great idea. Let's do that. I'll start with my heart. My one life. I'll start with this one. I'll be nice to the people at home, even though they're jerks. I know none of y'all are jerks. I'll be nice to the people at home, even though they, you know, don't do the laundry like I like. I'll be nice to them, even though I'm tired, even though I don't get my way, even though I woke up, woke up and I don't feel good. I'll just go ahead and be nice because why? I've understood I can control it. That's this step. Inwardly peaceful, spiritually secure. That's why you're kind. Is because you're spiritually secure. Ellen's trying to get everybody to be kind. But they can't be kind because they can't just be kind just because they want to be kind. Because there's got to be power behind being kind. Just wanting it isn't enough. And we found out she wasn't that kind. That's why she had a lot of stuff that said kind, because she wasn't being that kind. I'm just telling it like I heard it. I don't know her. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay, so there it is. When I learn to be self-controlled, this hunger begins to start. If you haven't, if you don't have this hunger, you're, you're missing these other three steps first. This hunger. I hunger to do it dad's way. I hunger to learn. I read the Bible with it, with this thought. How would he handle this situation? Would he, would he, would, would this be mercy right here if I did this? Would this be love right here if I, I would ask him where I'm hungering for something to handle the situation, to handle life different than what I would do without him. And I have to ask. Because one day he'll say, do this. And the next day he'll be like, hey, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing this over here. If I'm not careful, I will make a theology out of a one-time thing. A one-time thing that just accomplished one thing. I will, I will dig it into a trench and I'll make it happen forever. But when I hunger, look at that. I actively seek right standing with God. I become completely satisfied. 
right now, just think right now, how completely satisfied on that level are you? Look at your satisfaction meter right now. It's going like this. Where are you? Are you 100? Are you 20? This seeking, look at there. It says, you'll be joyful. You'll be nourished by God's goodness. His goodness comes through right acts. And he said it was simple. Phil wrote about it today. Phil used to make it so hard. Pam and I would be like, dude, you're making it so stinking hard like your head is in the way. It's making it so hard headed. I mean, oh, oops. It's making it so something in your head's making it hard. Maybe it's, I don't know. It's a hard head. That's what it is. We identified it. He wrote about it today. What happened? He had to have a transformation in his mind. He had to hunger for God's way over Phil's way. And we all have to do that because that's what's going to be completely satisfied. Don't you want to be completely satisfied? And so once that's transformed me and I've been nourished, I've been eating of righteousness. I've been, I've been consuming righteousness. Listen, you know, I don't watch bad movies, but every now and then, and I don't watch TV much either. What? Anyway, but have you ever, I just occasionally see something that I deem it's bad because my meter's really thin, you know, and bad. But I have to cleanse myself from that. Because if I'm not careful, see, I'm a pretty naive person. You know, there's a scripture that talks about be a child when it comes to evil. Like be naive when it comes, like don't experience a whole lot of stuff. Don't don't open a bunch of doors in a bunch of areas. See, the thing of it is, though, when you know that you have seen something you shouldn't see, you know it. And that your soul is affected. You can sear it, meaning you can look away. You can, you can justify it. You can say, well, this is just what it is or whatever. But your soul becomes uh, waterlogged with evil. It, can, it becomes uh, weighed down with things that you are not to process. That's why a little kid, when you give them unlimited electronics, they're going to stumble on something because it's out there. And if you don't have a way to cleanse it, if you don't have a standard of cleansing, if you don't have a way to check it, if you don't have a way to say, hey, what's your what? what are you watching? Are you looking at anything? And you can begin to tell their hearts become calloused. They begin to come. Do you remember when you did? You begin to get a little skeptical. You begin to be like, oh, well, and that's what happens. And see, that that righteous pursuit has to keep having cleansing. Because in this world, we're going to see crap. I mean, I didn't even know. Oh, anyway, I'm not going to get to that. There's bad stuff out there. So when I've experienced this and I step into the new mercy. Now, how often does God give out mercy? It actually says it's new. Every morning. Now, just get a picture of that. I love to picture mercy being new today. That means that's probably that is one of the reasons why I wake up happy. It's because I wake up thinking this is the day he made. I'm going to do everything I can do today to be what he called me to be today. I don't wake up going, I don't think I want to get out of bed because I don't want to miss a chance to do something that he wanted me to do today. 
Do you remember the day when you're like, you didn't even ask him anything and then you just heard about some stuff you missed out on, right? So this mercy, look at that. Content, sheltered by God's promises. What's a shelter? It's a covering. So then I get mercy and then look, the outcome is mercy. So when I get it, I give it. Now, see, if I go through this process, it would rid me of unsanctified mercy. See, so many of y'all were raised by unsanctified mercy, and it gave you no backbone. You know, we've been uh, talking about that quarterback show on Netflix, you know, with Mahomes. And they were talking about, you know, his dad was a professional baseball player. More sports trivia for you. Anyway, and he is extremely strong in his spine. And so that's why he can do all, have you watched him? He can just throw the ball like this or like this. It's just so, it doesn't even look like a quarterback. You know, quarterbacks usually run back. He's like running all over the place, throwing it behind his back. Throwing. I mean, it's like, it's weird. Like you've never seen. Why? Because there's a strength in his core, in his neck. Remember I talked about it on Sunday. That's what's going on with mercy. It rids us of unsanctified mercy and now i offer to you the mercy that's due to you by his perspective it's new every day that's what keeps me going is that you're going to need mercy from me because you're going to screw up i'm going to need mercy from you i'm going to screw up the more you know me the more you'll have to forgive me the more i know you the more i have to forgive you why because you're not perfect i'm not we're not trying to be perfect and so true mercy comes out of me because I've received true mercy. Pure in heart. Look at that. Anticipating God's presence. That comes after mercy. When I re- can you feel it? When I receive his mercy, trust me, I'm stamped pure. You can't talk Lynn out of being pure. She can stand up here. She can tell you some stories, like stuff I've never heard of before. Right? I never saw. Right? And she is pure as snow. There is not one thing in her that has any guilt, that has any residue, nothing. Her own kids want to remind her of it. And she's like, that ain't me. Right? Because what happened? She became pure. And look what the pure get. They see God. You want to see God? I don't know about you. I enjoy seeing God. Does anybody want to see God? Well, look, it's number one, two, three, four, five. It's six on the maturity scale. Because what am I seeing besides God? Me. You know what the Bible says? When you look, it says when you look into the Bible, you should see your reflection in it. Instead of reading the Bible and saying, oh, I can't do that. You're just immature. When you when you begin to read and you're like, that's me. Oh, yeah, I'll adjust there, Papa. Oh, yeah, I remember when I used to do that. There's no guilt in it. It's because I'm pure. I see the word through this complete purity, and I'm like, please scalpel off any little scar tissue I got left over. Please just come in and cut that with your word as much as you can so I keep reading the word to get cut on. Because I want to see him. 
I can't see him when my own impurity stands in my face. When I look in the mirror and I look at myself and I say, you're no good, I can't see him. When I look at the word and I say, I'll believe what the word says about me, I'm pure. And you can go around people that you used to be a jerk to, and they'll be like, what makes you think you are just all that now? I mean, oh, oh, you just think you're all righteous now. You can say, I am. And guess what? Stage six, I'm pure. I'm on stage six. You can. Look, integrity, moral courage, godly character. That's what purity does. See, that's the only way you can live in this life. Otherwise, the enemy will take you out. I mean, you'll watch something and you didn't even know you were going to be watching it. And he'll be like, you're that. Have you ever watched a show and he's like, you're that. Anybody know what I'm talking about at all? You're that. You're that. You're that. <laughs> you know, if you have, if you have the, the demon of that you're going to have health issues, don't be watching those medical shows. They will suggest stuff that you will be at the doctor next week saying if you have, oh, 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 I have that. Oh, my gosh, I think I have a brain tumor. I mean, they tell the craziest stuff in the world, right? If you're worried and scared at night, stop watching crime shows. I mean, like, it is so ridiculous what we do. And then we're like, why, God, can't you help me? Because you just invited him in. The, de the devil's like, oh, this is easy meat right here. My favorite, makers and maintainers of peace. That's not a peacekeeper. What's the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper? Listen, I'm just telling you, in the world now, there are times you are going to have to choose to make peace over making friends. That's why you learn your personality. Because if you're a people-oriented person, you don't want to do that. You think keeping the peace, just not saying anything, not confronting anything, just making sure everybody just gets a choice. No, that's, that's why it comes after pure of heart. Because only the pure see how to make peace. When I'm pure in heart, I'm not afraid. When I'm pure in heart, I know there's a standard. And I'm actually wanting everyone else to experience this purity I've experienced. And I know they can't get it if they don't have peace. So I have to teach them how to have peace. Be a teacher of peacemaking. Right? Look what you'll do. You'll express his character. And guess what? You'll be a son, a son of God. Wow, what a privilege. What a privilege. Spiritually calm with life, joy, in God's favor. If you have God's favor, what else do you have? Favor with men. That thing you've been trying to get by being charming, you get because you maintain peace. See, you've got to stop. And realize that I'm making something. I'm displaying a character that I only got by going through this process of maturing. 
So then when I arrive on the scene, what they need, I'm already prepared to give it. Now listen, these last two, I experience all the time. But it's a sign and a confirmation for me. Because I've been through these other stages. And let me just tell you that in this world, when you sell out to Jesus, people are going to say things about you. And it's finally a good thing. They were saying stuff about you all along. They were saying stuff about you behind your back all along. And he said that, blessed are those who are persecuted for doing good. You know, you know, whenever you've done wrong and somebody got onto you and you felt bad and they, they were really ugly to you, right? For do, you kind of, you can kind of go like, well, I kind of deserve that because I was a screw up, right? But go a little longer with Jesus. But guess what you inherit? It's the first thing on the list. And the last thing before the reward, you're going to get the entire kingdom. I propose to you, your spiritual eyes first see your need of the kingdom. And by the time you get here, the kingdom is a reality operating in your life. The first step is I want it. Oh, I want it. I want the kingdom to do something in my life, through my life. I want to display the kingdom. I don't want to compromise with the world and look just like the world does. If you're at a job and you're compromising with the world and you're looking just like the world, you are no different than the Pharisees. If Jesus showed up at your job, he would call you whitewashed walls. Not because he hates you, because he's identifying your spiritual need. And he says, I came to give you the entire kingdom for it to be operational and industrious in your life so it can flow through you and do something on the planet. And when she said her word on Sunday, he was saying that. He was saying, I have come. This is the time. I am done with you poisoning your own lives. With you believing the poison of yesterday, this is the time to step up and take hold of your complete calling. Walk through these steps with him in the kingdom of God. The morally right thing to do will be foremost on your mind. You will want to establish his ways and you will want his kingdom to come wherever you are. And that's why it leads us to that thing. When people insult you and persecute you and say evil things about you because you know him, be glad. Be exceedingly joyful. Are you there? I'm on that stage. And every now and then I'm like, be kind. But they can't because the clash of kingdoms just walked in the room. We were at a store the other day. And the girl was a jerk. And Mendel says, Clash of Kingdoms. And I said, it is. I just made her uncomfortable by walking in the room. By buying a product from her store that makes her a wage, she's a jerk. And see, I can be a jerk back. I know how to be a jerk. Do you, does anybody else know how to be a jerk? I don't know. No, just me. I can be a jerk back. That's not the kingdom. 
I haven't been through mercy school then. I need to go through that class one more time. Be glad. Be exceedingly joyful. Getting this, you're getting the same treatment as the prophets did. So, because guess what? In heaven, something's waiting for every decision that you make for the kingdom. Every time you're not a jerk when you could be. Every time that you choose moral righteousness over your own soul, you're storing. That's what he said to do. He said, store it up in heaven. Don't store it down here because there's, it's just going to decay down here. Become like a little child, like she said. Be a warrior like a child is a warrior. Become what God called you to be. Walk through these steps and realize you are storing reward because that's his promise. Learn to teach yourself to live a rewardable life. Learn to lean in yourself. Whether anybody else in your house does it, whether anybody else you know does it, say to yourself tonight, make this prayer tonight, I am going to live a life that's rewardable. I am going to choose to do the things. I'm going to forget my past tonight because God says it's gone. I am not going to get hung up and be offended. I am going to move forward and I am going to build this one life I have. Because you're not going to get another. You're not coming back as Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> you're not. This is it. Do you want to come? I think I have one more thing, and then you can come. I wanted to read a scripture just so we could be real. James 1. Listen to what it says. Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect streaming down from the father of lights cc has a new song about this very thing she didn't even know it who shines i mean she knows the song she didn't know this who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to ch to change and god was delighted to give us birth by the truth of his infallible word so that we would fulfill his chosen destiny for us and become the favorite ones out of all his creation. That's what he did for you. Come on, Mendel. So good. Wow. Wow, Papa, you're so good. Do you see how he does that? He released a prophetic word. He, he released like a mission statement. He said, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I've called you to do. And he immediately comes in with actually pre-prepared because I know Tisa started to get this download before I even got that word. So he pre-prepared the leadership with a how-to manual of how to act in partnership with the word he released. Doesn't that paint the picture of a good good father. It's so, so amazing. And that's one of the things I love about this house is that we don't just say, well, here's what you ought to be doing. And here's what God's doing. Now, good luck. 
in the end, you know? There's this actual practical, uh, I know Tisa goes deep, she digs so deeply to figure out how to connect and bridge the gap between what God has said, what God has laid out as a standard, and where people really are in their, wa- in their walk. And she does that so well, and she fights so hard to be able to, re- to provide that. And she seeks the Father's heart for those answers so, in such a devoted way, and we get to all benefit from that. And so I think this is an incredible framework that is, um, is going to provide so much and is so deep and rich. One of the things that occurred to me as she was saying it is that um, we say this a lot here, that it's not our maturity and renewing of our mind and growing into who God's called us to be isn't necessarily linear. You know, you can be further along in maturity in one area and further behind in another. And so I want to encourage you as you look at this, don't just find like your the top rung you've ever reached on the top in your life. And yet that's where I'm at. I'm good. I'm golden. I don't need to look at any of these previous steps. Because I know I'm I'm hearing it from myself. I'm like, wow, I do really good in this one area. I can see I'm further along, but then there's this other area that I'm not. I'm not quite that far along. And so I'm going to be pressing into that to see what um, I'm lacking, what I, what I can receive from him in that area to process through something that I may have been trying to solve in a more natural way. And so this is a rich, 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 message. Thank you, Tisa, for for searching it out and pressing to bring it to us today. And, uh, you know, I love the scripture. It says that we should be continually renewed in our mind, which also tells me that Papa knew that we weren't going to necessarily get this all on the first try and that we would have to, to continue to go back. This is an ongoing process. We will all be maturing. So we will be continually renewed in our minds. And so he is such a good, good father to provide the way for us. And he provides the, the training, the mercy, the love, the, in, the encouragement. He provides it all. He is such a good, good father. So Papa, I just want to say thank you today. I see your fathering heart over us today and I'm undone by just how good you are. Better than we could imagine or guess or request, just like all the testimonies that were shared today, you are ultimately better than we could imagine, guess, or even request. And so I'm thankful that just as you challenge us and motivate us to come up higher in our walk, that you also reveal even new aspects of yourself to show us that you're right there with us. So I thank you, and I just just seal up this word over every person's heart and mind. Holy Spirit, I ask you to make it personal. That's always my request, that you would make it personal, because this house is about, and your heart, Papa, is about transforming individual people that build up the body of Christ. And so I thank you for sealing this up and making it personal for each person. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the way you speak. And Jesus, we thank you for the price you paid and the doorway that you opened for us to be able to have access to all of this incredible goodness. Thank you for being Lord of our lives and being King of Kings who we get to partner with. So I thank you and we just bless it in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.